This is the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Welcome back to another episode of the Champion Forum, where it's my mission to influence others to become champions and ensure that everyone reaches their fullest potential in this life. Let's get going uh, with today's question. The question is this, Jeff, I have a peak performing employee that is toxic to our organization. What is the best way to handle this? Oh boy, man, oh man, if you haven't been there, uh, most likely at some point you will, and this can be painful. Nobody wants to lose a top performer, especially whenever your compensation is tied to their performance. And uh, matter of fact, let's make it, let's spice it up a little bit. This peak performer represents like 40% of your total KPI because they're crushing it. But man, they're, they're the diva. They, you know, they're toxic. They're compromising culture. When someone is doing a great job in a critical role, replacing them is very difficult and sometimes you can't even do it. It's very time-consuming. It's expensive to try to replace them. Sometimes it takes two people to replace a peak performer. So depending on your business, the other thing that could happen when you lose a peak performer is they could take some of your customers with them because oftentimes business relationships are built uh, with just that, relationships. And uh, you have this peak performer leave. They could be taking some business with them. But if a top performer is toxic to your company's culture, the difficult choice is often the best choice. The first thing you're going to want to do is to provide very, very clear feedback to this peak performer. Provide the feedback and then give this peak performer an opportunity to change. Uh, I think that goes without saying. But uh, look, I'll I'll also say this. I have had a tendency to give a peak performer a longer leash. Now, be careful with that because uh, the ones that aren't peak performers, they could see that as preferential treatment. And the answer is, yes, it is. I don't apologize for that. Honestly, I don't. I let the team know that there are different boundaries with a peak performer because they've earned the right to the different boundaries. Uh, and it should be something that they aspire to do as well. But the first thing you have to do with this toxic peak performer is uh, provide very, very clear feedback. Uh, this is going to give them that opportunity to change. I have found it to, to best just to be very honest and very transparent with the peak performer. I think some people shy away from the peak performer. You know, they're the ones that you just kind of want to stay out of their way and kind of let them, quote unquote, do their thing. Uh, I have found that peak performers, they still want to be developed as well. Uh, tell the person uh, that they are a top performer and you really value their work. But you can't keep them on if they don't fit with your company's values. That's just not sustainable. The reality is this. Most likely, even if you do lose them, they're going to take those same personality traits to the next place they go as well. What you're doing as a leader, holding them accountable to your culture, is absolutely the right thing. Make sure you're providing specific examples and make sure they understand what's going to happen if they don't change the behavior that they're in because we know at this point it's not results. They're crushing the results. It goes beyond that. Give them specific examples. You can't, it can't be a broad brush. The next thing you have to do with them is set a timeline. Give the person a very specific amount of time to demonstrate that they've changed. If they don't meet the expectations in the proper time, it is time to cut the cord. If the damage they're doing to your culture is severe, you're going to want to cut the cord even sooner. 
you're going to have to assess that. If not, you're going to end up losing a lot of other good people as well because they're going to be watching what you tolerate and what you allow. And whether these other people are peak performers or not, it will create heavy disengagement. And uh, this subtraction, this could be subtraction by addition uh, by getting rid of this peak performer. The last thing you're going to want to do is communicate with key stakeholders uh, in your company and maybe your customer base. Uh, think about how you're going to communicate this uh, decision to senior leadership and other uh, team members. Senior leadership, if they catch wind of this after that peak performer is gone, they're going to be questioning everything. What were you doing? Why couldn't you help them? It's going to be your fault that that peak performer lost. If you have a peak performer that you're coaching out, get senior leadership involved. At least make them aware this is not something that you want to blindside them with. The other thing is once that peak performer leaves, you're going to want to address this with your team because if you're getting rid of a, uh, a peak performer, your, t your other team members are going to notice that departure. If you don't communicate the decision well, they also might be wondering if they're up next. You have to communicate with the team members about this departure. Now, I'm not telling you to point anybody through the mud uh, because they're going to think that's what's going to happen to them if they ever leave the company as well. But you have to communicate this because it's going to leave everybody on edge. Communicate the decision quickly and clearly. Make yourself available to talk one-on-one -on -one for those that might have any questions or concerns. And if you do individual debriefs, make sure that you make it a point of conversation just to make sure that everybody's okay. And although you're going to miss the peak performer's results, you will most often find, uh, like I said before, that it is addition by subtraction. You'll be gaining so much more as far as the integrity of your culture and probably finding somebody that's been waiting to fill that role of a peak performer, and you're absolutely going to get great respect from the rest of your team. Don't be too naive as a leader to think the rest of the team isn't seeing how toxic this peak performer is, and they're watching to see what you're going to do about it. If you have the fortitude to make this tough decision, you're going to pick up big-time respect points with your team. It will probably uh, bring some relief to them, quite frankly, because it's not just affecting you as the leader. That toxic personality is probably bleeding in to everybody's productivity. And always remember, man, there, there is no single person that should ever trump the culture that you're trying so hard to build. Culture trumps everything. All right, let's get right into today's episode. Today, I'm going to be talking specifically, uh, I'm going to be addressing those of you that listen that are not yet in leadership, but you're aspiring to lead. Uh, many of you have uh, messaged me, emailed, asking for additional resources about how do I get from here to leadership. You're aspiring to lead and you want uh, uh, some more nuggets. Now, if you're a current leader and you're listening, this is also for you. Uh, why that is, is current leaders listening, you can use this content uh, compiled with the show notes from our website to prepare to really drive visionary leadership and personal development to those that are on your, are, they're on your team and they're eager to get into leadership. You're not quite sure how to coach them to get there. What are the things to say? Uh, maybe you're like, hey, keep working hard, uh, bucko, and, and great things will happen. You're just not really sure how to articulate, how do I get them from peak individual performer to leader. Uh, so whether you're in leadership or aspiring to lead, this is for you. If you're aspiring to lead, I'm going to give you some great insight and tools and how to get there. If you're currently leading, you can use the, this information to help co coach those on your team, those that you mentor on how to get from where they are now to where they want to be. 
you see, in most thriving organizations, uh, there's a lot of competition to advance within an organization. Uh, you know, everybody wants the next job. And uh, these opportunities, they don't always come up real often. Even in smaller companies, though, these principles are going to apply. Uh, if you're in a small company and you want to lead and you choose not to take my advice, it's likely this senior leadership will look outside of the company to fill the next leadership role. Larger organizations, they have the luxury of pulling talent from within the organization. That doesn't always exist at a small company. They just don't have the, the options that larger companies have. So don't think just because you have tenure in the job or tenure with the company or that you're likable and that you have a picnic uh, at the boss's house that you're getting the job. You know, that might get you a seat at the table, but it doesn't guarantee you the position. You have to keep in mind, we're not in this thing to make friends. Hopefully you have enough friends outside of work. Everybody is in this for results. That small business owner or that corporate leader, they're going to make a decision, hopefully, on what is the best outcome for the team. And if that means hiring from the outside because they don't feel you're ready, believe me, they will. So don't, don't be naive to think through that. So I'm going to give you five things that you're going to need to do well to position yourself to becoming the obvious choice for advancement into a leadership role. So let's go in. Starting with number one, you've got to be a team player. Uh, if you're going to pursue, pursue this leadership journey, you cannot be a lone wolf. And sometimes peak performers at the individual level they become lone wolves, meaning, you know, just let me go. Let me do my thing. I'm good at what I do. Just just give me that leash and let me go out there and flourish. That If you are going to lead, you have got to reel that back in because one thing you're going to learn really fast about leadership, once you get the title of leader, it's not about you anymore. And uh, as an individual contributor that might be that lone wolf, uh, you're going to have to change that mindset completely, and you're going to have to start leading in the role that you're in. Organizations are looking for leaders who can collaborate, and they are very inclusive. They're very team-oriented. Helping your team deal with conflict as an individual contributor, helping them develop a, a cohesive uh, environment, uh, helping them work together, this will quickly set you apart to team leaders and other managers. In many ways, being a peer leader at times can carry more impact than the actual leader themselves. This gives you the chance to be the voice of reason when the boss gives a tough assignment or announces a big change that is coming. I can promise you this is invaluable leadership. You know, it, it's sometimes people get the sense that the boss doesn't know what's going on and they're unapproachable, they're unrelatable. You know, you're, you're in the meeting, you're in the staff meeting or you're in the sales meeting and the boss rolls out a new policy change or a new comp plan or look, it, it could be a hundred things. Everybody disperses from the meeting. The boss goes to the corner office. Everybody else is sitting in the cubes and the chatter starts, right? Oh my gosh, what were they thinking? How are we ever going to do this? And there you come the individual contributor aspiring to lead, and you swoop in and you become the voice of reason. You become the visionary. This is powerful, powerful opportunity, giving you a great chance to lead with influence versus title. This can be a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for you and one not to take lightly. Number two, be an expert and continue to learn and master new skills. Meaning this, be good at your day job, 
and continue to start incrementally working on what you want to do in the future. Be really, really good at what you're doing today. Performing very well in your current role is a great way to get noticed. You, nobody can ignore that. Somebody that is performing at the highest levels will get noticed. You, your name will be thrown out. You will be put up in a spotlight. There's no doubt about it. I would say that performing well is essential to taking the next step in leadership. Leadership, when you perform well at your current role, it tells leadership that you have methodology. Methodology is something that proves to everybody that you're not a one-hit wonder, that there are systems and processes that you've adopted to drive success. The only question then is, can they reproduce that as a leader? It could be unknown, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in, in the coming points. However, if you are a peak performer, but you're getting passed up for leadership opportunities, uh, this is absolutely for you. No question about it. This is absolutely for you. Results alone will not get you promoted. If you're getting passed up, you keep applying, you're not getting the job, somebody edged you out, how in the world could they have gotten the job over me? I don't get it. I'm the best at what I do. Results alone are not enough. They're not going to be enough to get you to where you want to go. I will say this, your results will get you a seat at the interview table, but they will never get you the job. Once you've arrived at superior results as an individual contributor, you need to look around and identify what additional skills and jobs you can master. This is going to be a very challenging balance, but one that you will absolutely have to take to separate yourself from the competition internally. Stay on top of changes in your career field. Whatever that is that, that you do as a vocation, your industry, uh, your culture of your company, whatever those things are, stay on top of that. I always say you're going to sit in one of four camps. Um, I hope it doesn't come up, camp one, camp two. Uh, if it comes up, I'll wing it. Uh, camp three, if it comes up, I'm ready to talk about it. Or camp four, if it doesn't come up, I'm bringing it up. As somebody that's aspiring to lead as an individual contributor, you have to have so much knowledge of your area of expertise in the company and the company culture that if it doesn't come up, I'm bringing it up. Find that balance between uh, being a brown noser and a contributor. That's a, that's a craft. Uh, but look, you should be bringing things to the table if you mean business about future success and leading in that organization. I always tell people there is a, a very fine balance between performing well in the job that you're in and preparing for the job that you want. That can be tough because you might be listening and saying, Jeff, you have no idea how demanding my job is to perform at this level. It takes every minute of my day. I promise you there's more time in your day. Uh, go back and listen to my episode on time management, uh, and that will absolutely help you. But you can sit there and keep making excuses about how you don't have time or you can do what peak performers do, and they prioritize what's most important to get to where they want to go. A pitfall that I've seen is when the individual spends the majority of their time trying to position themselves for promotion, and they lose sight of their current job function. So here you are going to the other extreme of things. Uh, you're on every committee. You're on the marketing committee. You're on the diversity committee. Uh, you're on the committee for policy change. You know, you're on the uh, executive uh, leadership training committee. 
you're on all these committees and you totally forgot that you have a day job that demands results. This is a big, big pitfall that I see individual contributors fall into. The intentions are great because what they're saying is, look, I'm building my brand and uh, I want to be in the committee because uh, so-and-so is on the committee and they're going to influence me being promoted. These are all things that are absolutely true. But I can tell you this, if you lose sight of your day job, you're going to be the one on the outside looking in that won every popularity contest at the company. That is not helping you. Make sure that you calculate where you're going to spend your time. Here's the other thing. As an individual contributor, you will be sought after for every committee that's in the company. Why? Because you're good at what you do and you're respected. But you have got to safeguard your day job. And if you're on every committee and you find yourself being spread thin for the sake of building your brand, again, you'll win all the popularity contests. But most companies, last I checked, they're results-based. And if all these extracurricular activities are affecting your performance in your day job, what you're doing is counterproductive and it will reach a point of diminishing return for you. So that's a huge watch out for the peak performer that's aspiring to lead. So stay on top of changes in your field. Uh, we talked about the pitfalls. Don't spread yourself too thin. This will result in disaster. Being a peak performer is going to draw that attention. You're going to have to create moats, and you're going to have to safeguard that. This is a, a great thing, but be sure to set these boundaries. You're going to need to be at a place uh, in your pursuit to next steps that you can do your day job very well with 80% of your time and use the remaining 20% for special assignments. Um, I, here's, what, here's a couple things to think about. When given these assignments, do them well. Hey, well, that's a great, great advice, Jeff. I'm telling you, these special assignments, when we're talking about the 20%, and don't compromise that. Uh, it should not be much more than 20%. Find out the key areas that you can make the biggest impact with that 20% of your time while crushing your numbers at 80% of the rest of your time for your day job. And I will say this, whatever those assignments that you get, whether it's being on a committee, uh, you know, creating a leading contribution for your team, for your organization, put everything that you have into it, especially if it's something that could change how your organization goes to market. I would recommend that you look at them as part of the interview for your next step. These are career makers. I'm not going to say they're breakers, but they could be. Meaning if this leading contribution that you take on, and look, be prepared to take risks because nothing ventured, nothing gained. These leading contributions, when done well, will seal your success as a future leader in your organization. But you have to see these as the interview. And this is a, an, a, this is a great way for you to showcase and prove to everybody that you are set up to win. Take these assignments very, very seriously and knock them out of the park. Leadership's going to be watching how you navigate the assignment, and they're going to be watching how you juggle your time with your current role. This is a huge opportunity. Don't take it lightly. If you're not given an assignment like this, be very, very observant. Identify a need. Bring the idea that, uh, that you want to tackle a certain project to your boss. Let them know what you want to do. Senior managers are going to notice people who have already de demonstrated this willingness. 
that they have an aptitude to perform outside of their current function. They have aptitude to perform at a higher level. They're eager uh, to learn and to contribute to the success of the team. If this isn't happening for you, people aren't beating your door down, uh, kind of you know, telling you, hey, we need help with this. Uh, would you be willing to take on this other assignment? One thing that I always recommend that people that are serious about what they're doing, every day before you leave the office, ask your boss this simple question. Is there anything else you need from me before I leave? Sounds very elementary and very simple, but I can tell you it can have profound results. If there is nothing that day, they're going to be like, wow, nobody ever does that. That says a lot about them. But at some point, they're going to say, wow, I'm glad you asked. There is actually something. Now, that's going to put more work on your plate, but it means they trust you to do it. Knock it out of the park. Number three. Be open to feedback and criticism and use it to grow. If you're aspiring to lead, you will have to take feedback and criticism from those around you. This is pulling you out of your comfort zone. And the comfort zone is a warm, cozy, fun place, uh, but nothing good grows in the comfort zone. Only mediocrity and average grow there. Use this criticism and feedback that you might be getting from other uh, peers, leaders, senior leaders, it may not all be right, but assess it. Ask your supervisor for feedback. Ask your boss for feedback. Maybe you have a boss that's not good at giving feedback. Solicit feedback. And maybe they're not great at developing you. You're going to need to take this upon yourself and be persistent in getting feedback. The best way to do this is ask open-ended questions. Here's what not to do. Hey, boss, how do you think I'm doing? Good. Oh, okay, great. Okay, good talk. No, go in there with very thought-provoking questions. Hey, boss, you know, you know that it's very important to me to grow with our organization. You know that I'm doing everything that I can to support the goals that I have, uh, but there's more that I want to do. If you had to define one area of my job responsibility that I need to get better at, what is it and what steps could I take to improve it? Man, that is thought out, and that will provoke uh, a lot of great dialogue and a lot of great feedback. And if you have a boss that isn't good at get, giving that kind of feedback, make sure that you you uh, shift left, shift right, shift up, shift down, but get that kind of feedback. It will only help you. But be prepared to take a punch in the nose. Every once in a while, you might get feedback that you don't want to hear and maybe that you get a little defensive. It is very critical that if you are a peak performer, that you are out soliciting the feedback. Because if you're a peak performer, it's likely that you are the least of the manager's concerns. Like, they're just glad to have you on the team. And that can often mean that you get put on the island while they're handling all the other challenges that they're faced with uh, day to day and with other personnel on the team. The boss is just glad to have you on the team and you're not causing them any headaches and any problems. If this is you, you're going to need to be very intentional and may have to dig a little bit deeper for this feedback. Don't be the peak performer that's just glad that your boss isn't riding your back because they got so many other problems. No, go in there and get the feedback. Ask them the questions. What can I be doing better? What's my biggest opportunity uh, area to improve? This might be difficult, but it demonstrates that not only are you comfortable with your abilities, but that you take your career growth seriously and you're willing to learn from any shortcoming that you might have. You know, if you get into a defensive posture, you're going to have people that are kind of leery about giving you feedback. 
Um, and if you are criticized or if you make a mistake, own it. Just own it. Peak performers specifically often go into defense mode when they're given criticism and feedback. They're not used to being wrong. They're not used to making mistakes. Typically, a lot of peak performers has a, has a uh, perfectionist mindset, meaning everything has to be flawless. And one little thing that goes wrong and they're, they're called out on it, they, they flip. Oh, oh my gosh, you got the wrong person. Obviously, you don't know who I am. I'm number one in the company. Okay, you're still human, and they're trying to make you better. Be sure you own it. Even if the assessment that your manager is making is not correct, it really doesn't matter. The fact that they're making the assessment at all means they care about your improvement. Take the feedback one way or the other. Ask your manager if it's vague, like, hey, you need to be doing a better job. That's pretty vague. If, it, if you get that kind of feedback, solicit more. Hey, I need you to describe exactly what that is. What's the right? What what should the right approach have been uh, with this area that you're saying that I need to get better at? Make sure that you have a clear expectation of what they would have done. Keep in mind they're the leader. Whether you agree that they should be the leader or not, it's really irrelevant. Somebody put them in that role because they felt that they could. They they were doing the last job well. There's something they have to offer you. Make sure you go grab it. Number four. Learn to communicate well. Leaders that are, that are serious, aspiring leaders that are serious, they will learn to speak and write well. This is so important. You can't be working in the pie company and uh, you can make the best crust, the best dough, uh, the best filling, the best everything. That doesn't make you a good leader. Newsflash. There's something uniquely different about people that lead well, one of those things is communication. You know, I, I think back to some of the presidents that we've had in the United States and some of the greats that have separated themselves uh, in their legacy. One of the common traits that the greats have is their ability to communicate. They convey a clear understanding of what needs to be done and why. Great leaders speak truthfully, very accurately, rather than emotional. Uh, you know, uh, they don't get emotional about challenges uh, that they're facing, tasks, projects. They give positive recommendations about how to overcome them. They don't talk about the problem. They live in the solution. Communication and how you go about communicating in adverse situations is very, very important. You can argue that communication is the leading attribute of a leader. Now, by definition, I would say that a leader is an influencer. But when I look at, you know, the greatest uh, attributes of a leader, I'm going to tell you that uh, communication, if it's not number one, it's definitely top three. Because what you say is, is so critical. It really drives how your whole organization is ran. Again, if you're in the pie company, you could be the best pie maker in the world. That doesn't mean you can teach people how to make pies and make them well and, and get them out on time and have great customer service. It means you're a good pie maker. If you want to get from pie maker to leading a team of pie makers, you better learn how to communicate. It's going to be critical to your success. Great communicators find a way to diplomacy with the delivery of a message. You will have dissension on your team at some point in your leadership journey. You're going to have two forces fighting against each other. Your communication in helping two parties 
be diplomatic is going to be important. Communicating is how you're going to go about that. I do want to give a side note as we're talking about communicating on public speaking and stage presence. Now, this may not apply to your current circle of influence at the company that you're at. Maybe you're not going to be mic'd up on a big stage. It really doesn't matter where you are. Presence absolutely matters. Your ability to communicate publicly is critical. And this is often a very missed part of development with many, many leaders. They focus so much on the aptitude of the technical side of the business that they lose sight of the soft skills that make dynamic leaders. I feel it's essential that if you are going to reach peak leadership performance, you have got to be good on the stage. You've got to carry what I would call a strong executive presence. How you deliver the message is just as important as the content itself. Sometimes you could you can make the argument that it's even more important how you deliver it, your impact, your 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 uh, voice inflection, your body language. All of these things are making impact in your delivery. Stage presence and polish will get you noticed, and it will compel people in your organization to want to listen to what you have to say. This is not a skill that comes natural to a lot of people. It's a fact. Most people, I would tell you, if you were to Google uh, the biggest fears people face, top five is going to be public speaking, almost undoubtedly. It's not a natural thing that people like to do. As a matter of fact, there are people that I've talked to that said they have nightmares about the thought of doing it. But I can tell you this, there's going to be pain. And I talk about this all the time, the pain of success or the pain of becoming average. There's going to be pain either way. So push through this pain of public speaking and get through the other side. It will be a difference maker for you. If this isn't a strength of yours, I'm going to recommend a couple of things. Uh, First off, I would recommend you invest in training. Yes, invest. Well, you know, Jeff, I went to the boss and asked them if they would send me to a, a speaking class, and they said no, so I guess that's that. No. You better care about your future success more than anybody, more than your boss, more than your organization, more than anybody. If you've been listening to this podcast any length of time, you've heard the story about me investing and in going to a sales training class when I was a, a frontline person wanting to become uh, in sales. You can't say that you want to be a leader and not make investments. You can't say that you want success and then make excuses because nobody's providing tools and resources. Folks, we have the internet. Uh, You can absolutely afford a training class. The phone that you have in your hand right now is probably cost more than the class itself. If it's important to you, you will absolutely find a way. This is something that is a high, high recommendation. I don't care what kind of leadership that you're going into, operations leadership, sales leadership, you name it, I highly recommend it. The two that uh, organizations that I have found to, to uh, be very, very good, and I'm sure there's some local ones out there as well, the two that I would recommend, though, the first one is Toastmasters, and the second one is Dale Carnegie. One, because I was an instructor at Dale Carnegie, so I know what that kind of curriculum is, and I know what kind of value that brings. Toastmasters, I have uh, heard great feedback from that. This is uh, really pushing you out of your comfort zone. They allow you to get up in front of this crowd of people that you don't know uh, and have you communicate. They give you on-the-spot training. 
They give you ideas of how to create stronger impact, how to create content, so on and so forth. Uh, find these in your area and make the investment. Uh, these two organizations are pretty well known and pretty widespread. You know, if you're anywhere close to a major city, I am sure that you can find one. Make the investment and let me know how that goes. I assure you, you'll be glad that you did. Number five, lead from where you are. You know, a leader isn't defined by a title, never identified by a title. One of the most difficult things to do, but sometimes that will get you noticed, is leading while not formally in the position, without the title. Leader, leadership covers a multitude of skill sets. However, like I said before, if I were to wrap it up into one word, it's influence. Improving communications and taking on difficult tasks, that will get you noticed by team leaders and senior leadership in your organization. It also offers everyone around you a chance to see how you can lead with influence versus title. That's the hardest thing to do. You have a little bit of an edge having a title because you can offer you know, discipline, accountability, uh, you control pay raises, all this other stuff. But influence is what's going to get you to peak leadership performance. Um, so make sure that you know that. Don't, don't make excuses about, I don't have the title, it's not on my business card. Start leading from where you are. When it's time for, your, for managers to move on to other opportunities, they will likely think of you first as the right one to put in their position. So a side note on this, you may end up leading the team that you're on. You may end up leading the team you're on. I want you to think about the team that you're on right now and you as the leader. How you carry yourself with that team and around the water cooler is going to be paramount to the success of the transition ahead. Begin to act now like the title that you want later. You can't say that you want to lead and all of a sudden you're around the water cooler just uh, acting like everybody else. You're complaining about the boss. You're complaining about the lack of customer service support. You're, you're always complaining about something. Next thing you know, you become the leader. That entire team is looking at this like, who in their right mind made this person the leader? They got everybody fooled, not fooling us. That will be your most difficult transition, and you are already set up to fail. Take that seriously in the role that you're in, because it, you likely may end up leading the team that you're on. So begin to act now like the title you want later. Thanks for investing time, as always, to make the champion form a part of your day. I hope this information was valuable to you as you go from individual peak performer to leadership. I'll be here with you for that entire transition, and I'm committed to helping you along the way. If the champion form is adding value to your journey, please go to the, the podcast, subscribe it, rate it, review it. We would welcome that kind of feedback. Follow me on social media, on Facebook, as well as Instagram under the champion forum. Uh, if you'd like to have a question answered or you have any feedback or questions I can help you with, or you're looking for additional resources, email me at jeffhancher at thechampionforum.com and make sure you check out the website, thechampionforum.com. There's a section there of show notes, application activities, thought-provoking provoking questions to help you on your personal leadership journey, as well as those that you're leading. Until next time, folks, you got to remember, I'm your biggest fan, and you have been set up to be a champion in this life.
the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead. Inspire. Win. Win.